So you reckon I'm tall. Our son is back from Australia. He is six foot four, and we've got another son who's six foot six. So I'm the midget in the family at the moment. Um, what a privilege to be here. Um, I'm guessing you guys know that God's doing something extraordinary here. And um, you're never going to be the same again. This is all part of it, though. I believe that the timing of uh, me being here sharing a little bit about compassion and what God's doing around the world is as much a part of the journey and the story of the church as anything else. So uh, I've got a lot to share and I haven't got a lot of time to share it in. Just out of curiosity, slip your hand up if you're a current Compassion supporter. Would you do that? Look at that. Fantastic. So folks, can you make sure that your surname and postcode is on the leaflet at the back if you're a current supporter? Uh, that way we can then get your stats and we can, um, we, I'll show you the stats in a minute too that we got at the moment. But then we can show you the impact and power of what you're doing as a church. I do want to say thank you to Mark for, um, look, I've run a church for years, a lot of years, and uh, giving up the platform is a big deal, and I appreciate the richness and the gesture of it. Thank you so, so much. We've also got a special guest here. Rahina is from Bolivia. She's going to be with us in a moment or two. I'm going to introduce you to her. Rahina, it's lovely to have you with us. And Rahina is the sister of a child that was sponsored through Compassion. Uh, and so it's an angle that I've never really, uh, I've never interviewed a sibling of a Compassion-sponsored child before. So for me, it's going to be super interesting. I hope it is for you. You're happy. Yeah. All right. One of the complaints I often get is I try and put too many words into too short a space. Um, and you're going to find that today. So, all right, I preach the same length message. I just preach it quicker. Um, is, I'm one of those. So uh, first of all, let me give you a little bit of an idea about statistically where we're at on the planet. There's eight point something billion people, something like that on the planet at the moment. Around about a billion of those will live in extreme poverty. Extreme poverty, according to the World Bank, means you're living on less than 1.9 US dollars a day as a family. And less than, so if you're if you're $2 a day, you're not in extreme poverty, you then move into poverty. Extreme poverty means, and we'll be hearing a little bit more from Rohina, uh, but extreme poverty means generally that you don't have good education, you don't have access to food, you don't have access to medication. It's the lowest, it's the worst form of poverty on the planet. There's nothing worse than extreme poverty. So that's where we're at. One point, uh, eight point something billion people in the world. There's a billion of those people currently live in extreme poverty. 350 million children currently live in extreme poverty on the edge of extinction. We can change that. Come on, I, I, I'm in a Pentecostal church, right? But I'm, <laughs> I'm really used to interaction, so forgive me if I keep banging on about this. But you agree with me, we can... Listen, the solution to this rests in Christ. Christ is in the local church. The local church has the keys, come on, to change this world. We have it. We have it. We can do it. So today we're going to change some children's lives. We're focusing on a place called Ethiopia. And uh, please, God, I hope that one day you guys will take a group out to Ethiopia and maybe meet some of those kids that are going to get sponsored today. Do I get an amen for that as well? Yeah, how do you fancy a trip? Great coffee. Anybody here like coffee? Yeah. Right, Ethiopia have coffee rituals. Every time you go into the house, you have, they crunch up the, the, uh, the, the coffee and they roast it in front of you. And you, Yeah, I'm just selling it. I'm overselling it here. How does compassion work? It costs £32 a month to sponsor a child and lift a child out of extreme poverty. And the way we do that is we do that in ve using various methods. We uplift the child by giving the child food, the best education we can, uh, medical help. And this is the key, and this is fundamental. If you sponsor a child, won't you consider this? Love letters from the sponsor to the child, telling the child we're praying for you. God's got a plan for you. Uh, he's going to break extreme poverty in your life and 
your children, your children's children, and your children's children's children are all going to be free from this heinous thing called extreme poverty. So those four mechanisms are what we use to uh, release children from extreme poverty. All right, I will preach at some point, I promise you. Just a lot of housekeeping to get through. Um, if I can have the PowerPoint on the screen real quick, please, that would be helpful. So this is a taster, hopefully, of what is to come. Okay, so on the screen here, these are your current stats at the moment with the people that are signed up, which I think is around about 12 people. We've got registered with the church that are currently Compassion Sponsors. Now, at the table this morning when we were setting up, we discovered there's at least another 12 kids sponsored. So it's double what's on here plus a bit, all right? And we haven't even started yet. So uh, there we are. Because of the sponsors in this church that are currently recorded, 6,000, nearly 6,000 hours for children in a Christ-centered project. Rahina will talk a little bit about that in a moment too. Minimum of uh, 2,259 nutritious meals. The guy who picked me up from the airport in Kampala, he was a, he was a compassion child that graduated and started his own business. And I said to him, what do you used to eat? And he said, you used to pick fruit that drops out of trees. That's what we used to live on. Gives you an idea. 35 medical checkups from visiting doctors. I was preaching in a church in Jersey a little while back. And the pastor there said, we sponsored for years. And uh, our little girl sent us a letter and said she'd just come back from Germany. She's only 12. And he said, he said, you know what? She went to Germany because she had to have open heart surgery. Isn't that incredible? And I said, how did they fund that? And he said, compassion paid for that. When I queried it, I work for this organization. Come on, worst places to work, eh? And when I queried it with compassion, they just, they just brushed it off and said, that's where the money goes. If it's COVID, it goes to that. If it's a vaccination, it goes to that. If it's open heart, it doesn't matter what it is, we'll do everything within our power to help that child survive. Fantastic. 12 Bibles given. There we are, uh, 4,000. So on top of your giving, the, and you're a very generous church, I know that, but on top of all that you give, we've identified another £4,666. It's going to be double that uh, financial support in the last 12 months that goes on to your AGM, another 10 gifts. Next slide, please, real quick, and I'm going to finish now. 39 letters sent uh, by children to you as sponsors, and that's a a very reasonable return. 21 letters sent back. Of course, the two should match perfectly. Uh, but write to your children because it changes their lives. That's fantastic. That I do with the slides. Thank you so much. Let me briefly uh, explain how we're going to close this service. There is going to be an appeal. And it's an unashamed appeal. I was really sick this time last year. I was really sick and thought... In fact, to be honest, I was ready to write my letters. It was one of those kind of sick things, you know. And I realized how fleeting life is and how important it is that we put first things first. So unashamedly, I'm going to ask you to consider sponsoring a child. You don't have to. I, I, I'm saying up front, do not divert money from the, the projects that are going on here, from your missions. Do not divert money from ties or anything like this. What I'm saying to you today is, if you can afford a pound a day, if you can do that, on top, some can and some can't, and if you can't, don't feel any guilt, everybody say amen. amen. All right. Uh, then uh, sponsor a child with us. And at the end of the service, there are going to be uh, some wonderful people. They're going to hold up uh, some profiles and are going to ask you to make your decision in your seat because there's too many people to get everybody around the table at the end. Slip your hand up. If you want to sponsor a child, put your hand up and somebody will come and place one of these and a pen into your hand and you will fill that in um, as best you can and come back to the table and hand it back to us. If you can't afford to sponsor a child on your own, you can sponsor a child as a group. All right, so if you've got a real cool group of people and you think, well, I can't afford to do it, but maybe we can as a small group or as a uh, youth group or something, you can do that as well. Everybody happy? Great, okay, you've had enough of my voice for a moment or two. I want to introduce to you Rahina. Rahina is all the way from, well, not from Bolivia, but originally from Bolivia. Round of applause for Rahina, please. (laughs) 
And uh, it's so good to have you with us, and thank you for traveling all the way down here. From, where are you from, Rahina? Um, morning, I'm from Bolivia, Cochabamba. If anyone knows where it is, I'm from there. Any, any Bolivians in the house today? <laughs> no, I think this is it. I think this is it, Rahina. I think you're the Bolivian here today. Uh, it's so good to have you with us. Where have you traveled down from to be here today, though? Where do you live? Oh, I live in London, in the area where Kingston. Yeah. Kingston. Hey, much better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So one of the things that I found when I joined, because I had a remarkable, a remarkable call out of leading a church for nearly 30 years to work for Compassion. One of the things I didn't realize was what is extreme poverty? What's it like living in extreme poverty? Because us in the West, I'm not so sure we really understand what it is. So explain to us what is extreme poverty? What's it like for you as a child in extreme poverty? Well, in my case, Poverty is you don't have a house or a place to live. If you live in a room, you are five in a family, and you can't afford to pay the rent, you need to leave the room in one month, two months. Um, you sleep on the floor because there's not nothing to cover. You don't have, I don't have bed, and then I don't have duvet. I cover with plastic with my sister. If it rains, sometimes the room has holes and you need to cover with plastic because the water's coming in. And there's no food every day, especially if it's three times a day. So you need to go to a restaurant where the beans are and look for food in there and eat what the people throw there and then you can have something for In the, the bins? Yeah. Searching the bins for the food. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, carry on. And and other thing is, I we have to choose. Mum used to say, "I have this bit money. Do you want to buy food, or you, we can use to go to school on the bus, um, which is means two hours walking, just one way. So we say we want food, but that means walk two hours and then another two hours to come back home." Um, I never been in a doctor before that. Never visit dentist. We didn't have water. I remember my classmate used to say, "You smell stink. You are poor. You are nothing. When you grow, you won't be nothing." That's what it is. It was poverty in short words for me. Wow. Gosh, I hope you understood all that. Uh, never visited a doctor. Never had those opportunities. What? So your sister is called Chris Christina. Christina. Christina, yeah. Christina. And Christina uh, became a sponsored child. Now, just for the record, when you sponsor a child, so I've got a little child here that I just picked up random, randomly with an amazing name, Betzalot. I mean, how cool is that for a name, Betzalot? Come on. Any Betzalots in the house? No? Hey. No? Okay. Um, Betzalot's family will be impacted by that support that, that whoever sponsors bets a lot the rest of the family will get impacted how did christina's sponsorship impact your family what happened well first i've been in there the first thing for me was amazing is when we were there they say it's time for lunch the table was there <laughs> chairs were there fork and knife were there i never used it before that and they brought the food I, I said, oh, <laughs> this is the paradise. And then she asked me, said, would you like Seco? Oh, please, come <laughs> on. <laughs> and that was a big impact for me. Sitting on the table, have my plate, my fork and knife. But one big, big, big thing I have is the compassion gave me Jesus. For me, right now, and for my son, that's what I want, Jesus. It, maybe without compassion, I wouldn't know Jesus. But I have Jesus. If Jesus is with that child, everything is fine. Oh, come on. That's got to be worth an applause. Wow. So we heard the mission statement of the church. And ironically, I got that in my message as well. I was going to amplify the church mission. 
and vision statement, really mission statement, but Compassion's mission statement is releasing children from poverty in, in, in Jesus' name. Everything we do, we do in the name of Jesus, and everything about Compassion is to empower local church to do the work better. And we're looking at a living testimony here. How, what about your parents? Did it affect your parents? The, you know, the, the, the crazy Christian thing comes into the family and mm-hmm. suddenly you have food, suddenly there's medication and stuff like that. How did it affect your parents? I think most relief was my, for my mom because she was very happy. Sometimes she pushed, you go to Compassion? <laughs> because she knew we would have food there. And then also when we, had, we need to visit dentists, compassion pay for it. When we were sick, compassion would pay for it. And then for, that was good help for my family. Not just good, massive, big, big, big. And then they always make a meeting for parents. And then they talk about Jesus with them. They share the gospel, which is good. And my mom... No, that she's, she's still alive, and then she knows who Jesus is. She knows God, and she always said, "Don't forget to pray. Don't forget to read your Bible." <laughs> uh, my dad used to say the same. Wherever you go, whatever you are doing, just read your Bible and pray to Jesus. Come on. Can we? In fact, can I? Can you come and pray for Rahina because? Um, I can see the emotion in your eyes. It is, it is very traumatic, obviously, for uh, a, a, you know, somebody who's been through this to stand in front of people sharing their story. I just think it'd be really neat. Mark, would you? Let's, Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for our sister, yeah. Rahina. Yeah. Thank you for her understanding of your love of your kindness and your provision. And Lord, we thank you for the way that you have worked through compassion to bring Rahina to this place and her family where they have been rescued from the most extreme poverty. And And she stands here today as a testimony of the way that you have worked through your people to touch her life and her family. And Lord, I thank you that it's not just Rahina and her sister, but her son, her future generations. The cycle has been broken. The chains have been broken. And their future generations will never be the same again. So Lord, we thank you for the privilege of hearing some of her story today. Bless her for sharing it with us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. There's the real hero, eh? There's the real hero. I'm just reading part of um, Rahina's bio. Parents learned to read and write at the project, heard the gospel, uh, and so on and so on and so on. So fantastic. And congratulations, you have a little baby boy, is it? A little baby boy? I think that's another round of applause right there. Now, I'm amongst friends here. There are lots of people here that, oh, I say lots of people, fair few people here that I know, and it's great to uh, renew acquaintance with two people who are very, very, very well known within Compassion. Mary is going to come and share. She's got two or three minutes. Give Mary a round of applause, would you? As Mary comes up here, your very own. Hi, I just, um, yeah. So when a child graduates from Compassion, they write you a final letter. And I just wanted to read you one that we received from a girl that we sponsored in India. And her name is Sathya. Dear Mummy and Daddy, this is all about relationship. Your ever-loving daughter, write this letter. Here myself and my family members are doing very well by the grace of God. I do hope the same from you all. I am so glad to inform you that I finished my assistant nursing and midwifery course very successfully. I got success with good marks and got my certificates. My future career is to become a nurse by the grace of God. I got a job in hospital in Erode. Through this job, I will earn enough money of salary 
Hereafter, through this salary, I will help my mother. I convey my thanks for all the helps you have done for me by the grace of God. Nearly 14 years I got sponsorship through Compassion, but I got your sponsorship only for two years. That's because sometimes people can't continue, and then if that happens, someone else will take them on, or Compassion will continue the work. Thank you very much for the genuine love you showed towards me. I will never forget you. I have kept all the gift things safely which were bought by you, by your help. When I see them and use them, I will never forget your love. So I'm leaving my project in the month of May. I will join in my job. Through our, through our institution, I got this job. I will pray for all of you. I am closing this letter with lots of love and prayers. Please pray for me and my family. I am ever thankful to God and to you for your great help till this day. Every day, we keep all of you in our thoughts and prayers. Your loving daughter, Sathia. Oh, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. The difference it makes. Uh, the children are sponsored, uh, for some of them from just after conception, right the way through to exit of formal education. And a lot of those uh, kids come out with um, PhDs and all kinds of things. Those that aren't academic are trained vocationally. Uh, both those things, either one of those things, can break the cycle of poverty because they now have income and they can change stuff. All right, uh, I'm, on a, I'm on a bit of a clock here, so, uh, but I really want to use my time well. Uh, years ago, uh, Mark, Mark knows well that I was involved in a, a NCC as it was, was a rapidly growing church, went through several million pounds worth of building projects, said, I'm feeling your pain. I feel your pain. If you're in a growing church, that's going to be a continual thing, uh, but it's a good thing. And I was in the midst of, I think it was the ninth or tenth building project. It was a £600,000 project. And I was exhausted. I sat down one night, exhausted. I spent my life raising leaders to, when you grow a church. How many leaders in the church? How many of you guys lead stuff in the church? Just slip your hands up. Would you do that if you're involved in leading something? Or, All righty, okay. So uh, leaders are super important. I tip my hat to you and applaud you. Because leaders are so important in growing churches. And if you haven't considered it, I just want to say to you, you need to consider how does God want to use you in that. Anyway, this night I sat there exhausted, been negotiating finances. Uh, Mark, have you been there? Have you negotiated any finances with the movement and stuff like that here and there? Yeah. And it's a process. It's a job. And as I sat down this exhausting night, just coming up to 60, I know. <laughs> Just going, to, you don't need to say it, I know you're already thinking it, it's all right. I get it a lot, by the way. So I'm just coming up to 60 and I sit down, absolutely exhausted, and I've been talking to one of the directors of Compassion, and I just flicked on the video that we're going to see, which is Richmond's story. And I wasn't going to show this, but I do think it's appropriate because I want to reinforce the power of what it takes. Notice, incidentally how old the person is who sponsored Richmond. Thank you. If you could show that video, that would be great. Thanks. When I was eight years old, my father was taken away from us. And by that, I mean he was murdered. Nothing was the same for me. News began to come to our doorstep. From our landlord, we got word that we couldn't stay in the house that we stayed anymore because we couldn't afford it. My mother had no job. My father was the only breadwinner. We moved from where we stayed to a place called Naguru Kasenke, which is one of Uganda's largest slums. And then I was introduced to our new home, which was a 12 by 12 room. I looked up on the roof. It was a tin roof that had holes in it. I've been to places where when it rains, people are happy. They get excited. But for me, growing up, whenever it rained, that was a night that would stay standing. Get little buckets, place just where the holes in the roof are, and wait until morning. A reality hit me that day. This was life. I remember when my mom said to us, there was no money for food. 
that ushered us into a place where we were now going to begin to go to the street to fend for food. Hunger began to set in. Lack of water. I was a kid. I, I didn't have time to be a child anymore. As I lived like this on a daily basis, poverty began to speak to me as a child. I felt I was nothing. I didn't matter. Nobody cared to know my name. I think the best way I could describe who I was and what I thought is the word hopeless. My mother, in tears, uh, approached one of her friends just to share with her friend. And her friend shared with her about compassion. Compassion staff members immediately came to our home. Uh, I remember them coming with uh, just uh, files to, to, to get details of who we were, what our story was. I got the news that a young lady, Heather, she was 15 years old, a teenager. She had decided to sponsor me. I cannot find the words to describe the joy that filled our home when we got the news. Richmond, you've got a sponsor, which means you can now go back to school. It means food will be given to us because of you. I began to walk into that reality that ushered in me an opportunity to rekindle this hope that was taken away. Heather began to write to me, to hear words like, Richmond, I love you. Richmond, I'm praying for you. They began to bring healing into places that were destroyed by voices and poverty and my self-image. I remember my day, June the 3rd, 1996. I walked forward to accept the Lord Jesus in my heart. I began to feel, wow, I have been released from poverty. I have been released. God began to continue to grow the leadership within me. And then I felt fully called to pursue pastoral ministry. I began the Pastors Discipleship Network, a ministry that exists to train and equip pastors. And I spend a lot of my life training and equipping pastors in the Word of God. Looking back, into my life and thinking where I am right now and what I'm doing, I don't think any of this would have been possible without compassion. Compassion works. Everything that was placed within the program has helped build me to who I am right now. Poverty is not just the lack of money, the lack of material, food and water. Poverty is in, it's deep. I credit a lot of how I feel now about myself to those letters that I received from my sponsor. My name is Richmond Wondera, and I was released from poverty in Jesus' name. Currently, 2.2 uh, million children are sponsored through Compassion. I'm a revivalist. I believe in the power of revival. I'm guessing you guys, too. Imagine 10 years from now, 2.2 million spirit-filled, highly educated people transforming their world for Jesus. Come on. Not a, not a bad vision. Not a bad vision. That's the reality. And there's going to be more added today, I trust and pray. Let me read to you the scripture. John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus speaking. He says this, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me just as the father knows me. And I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. I've got other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command 
I received from my Father. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would um, stir within me the anointing, that anointing, Lord, of uh, bringing the Logos to the rhema, of bringing the Word of God off the pages of a Bible and into the heart to bring impact and change into the world. I pray, Lord, that there'll be transformation will take place because of the Word today. I pray for every soul within earshot of my voice, be they online or be they in the room, present with us in the room, or be they catching up at a later point. I pray that you will be glorified through all that I share and all that I do. And I pray, Lord, that lives will be transformed and changed forever and ever because of the living Word of God that we're going to hear today. Thank you for being here. In your name, amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. The vision statement of Rediscover is revealing the glory of God to the southwest and beyond. And uh, my thunder was stolen very correctly, I have to say, by, uh, by Mark earlier on. Because it's bigger than Exeter. The building that you're going into is super important and you must get behind that. You have to get behind that because God is building a resource center within this congregation, within this group. There's a resource center that God is building and it's imperative that we gain the tools to do the job. Agree? But the job is to impact the world with the gospel, not just to buy buildings. Agree? The building is a means to an end. It's vital. It's essential. It's going to be used. It's going to be a maternity ward that many, many multitudes of babies are going to be born in that are going to grow, be raised, just like Rahina, just like uh, Richmond that we heard on here. They're going to go out and change the world, and they're going to, their root will be here. Revealing the glory of God to the southwest and beyond. It's bigger than the southwest. It just is. I remember years ago feeling I needed to start a new mission at NCC. There was a a new thing that I felt was uh, on the horizon that I needed to bring in. And I couldn't figure out. You guys are much more pious than me. But I was trying to figure out, is that you God or is that? Do you ever have those things? Is that you God or is that just me? You know, is that, I think I'm here and you're right, but that's a pretty big call. Is that my ego or is that somebody that's sown something into me or is that really you that's asking me to do that thing? And so I put my Wellington boots on and I went for a walk across this tidal estuary called the Gannel, uh, which you've been in Newquay, you'll know that. It's a very beautiful part of Newquay. And I start ranting and shouting at God, which is my style. Uh, and, and kind of, can you not be clear to me? Can you not give me a, some prophetic word, something clear that I can anchor this into? And he said this to me, and it completely disarmed me. He said this, ask yourself the question, Mike, is what you're doing going to bring glory to me? Is what you're doing going to bring glory to me? That's the litmus test. Everything we do is to bring glory to God. Not glory to a church, not glory to Elim, not glory to a leader or leadership, but glory to God. Revealing the nature and the presence of God. This world needs Jesus. And, and, and my prayer is, and our prayer is, as we're here, is that today, if you're on the edge and you're wondering about this Jesus thing and this church thing, is it for me, isn't it for me? I'm here to declare to you today it is, and the reason you're hearing my voice is because he's chosen you today to hear this gospel, and more importantly, to respond to the gospel. He's got a plan for your life. And you might be living a fantastic life at the moment, but you haven't got it all yet. There's another level to go. Amen. All right, let me... Let me get back on track because that's what I'm going to try and do. Here we go. God has chosen to make known amongst the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So uh, buildings and so on and so on and so on, that will be a place. And you can sense the glory of God in the house here today as a visitor for us, for Sheila and I, we both said how wonderful it is to sense that incredible richness of God in the house. Something's brooding here. And um, yeah, it's going to be really good. (laughs) 
So we're made in the image of God. We're created to reveal his glory. That's your purpose. In fact, the Ang- I can never remember what the exact Anglican statement is in one of the catechisms, but it is this whole thing of the, pur- the chief purpose of man. It goes something like that. Somebody here will know it. Chief purpose of man is to reveal, is it? Oh, go on, say it again. Go on. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's not a bad mission statement. The chief purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Whoa, come on. So that is our purpose. And he chose us for that purpose. God is the good shepherd. And the question I always ask myself, am I a good sheep? Does he talk about me as the good sheep? Sheep don't choose the shepherd. The sheep are chosen for the shepherd. Sheep don't even know they need a shepherd. Some today listening to this, maybe online, maybe here, you, you may not even know that you need a shepherd. I'm hopefully going to convince you and help you to see the fact that everybody needs the good shepherd. The good shepherd lay down his life for the sheep. For you, for me, for man and womankind. Regardless of color, regardless of gender, regardless of complexities that we've got. And my word, there are some complex people in our congregation today. Aren't there? I was just going to do the greeting. No, I won't do the greeting. We're all complex people, aren't we? If we're really honest, we're all complex people. Regardless of class, regardless of privilege, regardless of goodness, regardless of badness, Christ loves us and chooses us. Why does he do that? Because we're worth it to him. I always remember, I don't even know whether it's still on there, the old L'Oreal advert, because you're worth it, because I'm worth it. Do you remember Jennifer Aniston, was it? Used to do, because I'm worth it. And uh, that's why she uses L'Oreal. And then they changed it apparently from uh, because I'm worth it to because we're worth it. And then they changed it again to because you're worth it. And uh, the whole thing just continually changed. But here's my point. Whatever God values has worth. And I believe that a word God sowed in my heart today is the fact that there are people listening to me today that feel worthless. God values us so much that he sent Jesus. Why? Because he created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. You might know this already, but what sets apart... uh, Man from all creation. What is the difference between us and the animals? Because a lot of people will put us on a level. We are different. Only man has a multidisciplined language. We can talk, we can learn other languages and converse with each other. That is a unique thing to mankind. Only man is a technological animal. We saw a technological animal on the screen earlier in Jason, didn't we? Only man is like that. You don't find budgies trying to figure out how to use iPhones. Only man enacts laws or sets up his laws of behavior. That's a thing that's unique to mankind. Only man develops cultural tradition. Only man is a religious animal. There is is nothing else out there that feels a need to worship. And it's in the heart of all of us. I didn't become a Christian till I was 24. And I discovered that I longed and yearned for worship. Only man has a moral conscience. Only man is aesthetic. Your dog doesn't paint pictures. Your cat is not an artist or a poet, in, as far as we're aware anyway. And this, I guess maybe I don't speak cats, so that doesn't work, does it? But you haven't got home and found a statue that's been erected by an animal. Why? Because we're different. Why did God send Jesus to earth? Why did he face torture physically? Why did he move from his throne in heaven to come here to be with us? Why did he give it all up? He gave it all up because he loves you. And because you're worth it. 
and because he's got a future for your life and he's got a plan for your life. And it's not just to sit in a seat in a building. It's to go out there and bring impact and bring change and transform this world and bring hope and all the good stuff that the gospel brings. That's why he chooses us. Jesus was challenged about healing a man with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath. And he said to him, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? And then he says this, how much more valuable are you than a sheep? Here's the problem. And I've seen this since I've been five and a bit years now working with compassion. And... uh, It's something that I think I personally feel is a great tragedy for the world today. And it's this, it's the continual devaluation of human worth. Continually. Even when the Ukraine war kicked off, they talked about collateral damage. I'm not going to go into graphic detail, but I hope you understand what collateral damage is. It's maimed lives. Somebody sitting in an office somewhere sends a drone. I used to work, I'm an engineer by trade, but that was my old trade. I used to make um, kind of missiles and stuff like that. It's called the bullseye war. You didn't need to go to the field to fight anymore. You don't need a sword in your hand or a gun necessarily. You can sit in an office, find a geolocation on a map and hit send. And then you get collateral damage. How we devalue the value of beautiful people. How God's heart yearns to see the lowly brought up and the value of the individual brought back in. Global slavery, and this is 2018, it's worse now, estimated roughly 40 million people are caught up in global slavery, human slavery. Most of it is sexual slavery. Get this, 71% are female. Get this, 25% are children. And the Borgen Project, if you've heard of the Borgen Project, the Borgen Project make this statement that the sexual slavery industry is driven by extreme poverty. When we rescue a child, it's so much more than food on a table. It's so much more than an education. It's deep and it's rich. Cross of Christ defies that devaluation. Declares the individual value so high that God himself comes and dies on a rugged cross so that you, you at home, all of us in this room, all of us in Exeter, all of us in this world can have an opportunity to have that dignified life back. Doesn't matter what condition that human life is in. Someone in a palace or someone in a slum, we're all on level ground, aren't we? Doesn't matter. Let me illustrate this. Can somebody, somebody here got, you've probably seen this before, but somebody, you will trust me, right? Well, it's not ever convincing, but thank you, Nita. (laughs) How much do you trust me? (laughs) I've got to watch the time here. How much do you trust me? Real quick, you're going to have to be quick. Come on, move, move, move. Do you trust me? Put your hands up if you trust me. All right, all right, there's a few dodgy people out there. Okay, one of you that put your hand up, I need 10 pounds. 10 pounds, 10 pound note. Cash. Oh, come on. We have cash. Five pounds, oh, two five pound notes. Thank you very much, sir. Okay, my next point. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. What's that worth? 10 pounds. Sure it's worth 10 pounds? Why is it worth 10 pounds? Because it's got the monarch's head on it. And it's backed up by gold. Agree? Yeah. Well, should be. It was in the olden days anyway. It's worth £10. Agree? Uh, you're not fussy about your money, sir, I hope. <laughs> I can have it. <laughs> Thank you. That's really, really trusting of you. It's worth £10. Okay. How much is it worth? But we take on his likeness and we become what the Bible calls a bondservant. And a bondservant, as you know, has the all driven through the ear. And that's where the earring was. They, they were a servant, a slave by choice. No, they've been set free, 
But they said, I'm staying, I'm serving. Pierce my ear so that people know I'm a, I'm a slave by choice. I'm a slave by choice. Let me finish. Spiritual children are sponsored children. One of the big revelations I have in a joint compassion is this. We're all sponsored kids. You're a sponsored child. We're all sponsored kids. What do I mean by that? It costs God plenty, says 1 Peter 1.18, to get you out of that dead-end, empty-headed life you grew up in. He paid with Christ's sacred blood, you know. He died like an unblemished, sacrificial lamb. There was a cost to my salvation. First Corinthians says this, I'm not my own. I was bought at a price. He's seen your profile. Can you just bow your heads for a second or two? He's seen your profile. If you're listening to this at home, can I encourage you to bow your heads too and just listen to my voice for a second or two? He's seen your profile. He knows you. Let it sink in. He knows you. He knows exactly who you are. And yet he still chooses you. He sees incredible potential in you. Keep your heads bowed just for a moment or two longer. The potential in you is off the scale. Richmond Wondera is now Dr. Richmond Wondera. Seeing 30,000 people going through a Christ-centered program. He sees the potential in you. In his love, the good shepherd laid down his life for you. My friend at home, for you. You're disqualifying it. Stop it. It's for you. He understands the pain of your life, but he did it for you. He paid the price for you by his blood in full. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to pray for every person within earshot of my voice right now. I want to pray for those, Lord, who are struggling with their faith and those, Lord, in this place who feel useless and worthless. Those, Lord, in this place who've invalidated their faith because they've examined themselves and judged themselves. Because they've lost sight of grace. That's a word for somebody in this room today. You've lost sight of grace. God's forgiven you. Why would you possibly hold yourself to account for something that God doesn't hold you to account for? I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, for an incredible revelation of the grace of God in every heart and life in this room today. The fact that every person in this room is beautiful, is chosen, is selected by you. For those, Lord, today who are ready to make that decision, to receive that choice, right now I pray in Jesus' name that they'll cross the line. Come on, my friend. Cross the line. He's here. Take his hand. He's here. He loves you. He's given you the opportunity. Now, every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment or two. Is there anybody in the room today that you know or at home today? It's your time. It's your hour to make that choice, to choose Christ. Quickly slip your hand up. I just want to pray for you right now. Is there anybody in the house today? Anybody in the house today? He's calling you. Don't fight it. If he's calling you, don't fight it. In Jesus' name, Father, I want to thank you. For those, Lord, who may be responding in their hearts, those at home, Father, I want to thank you for your great love for each and every one. And I pray, Lord, that your blessing will pour out on each and every one of us and we'll all understand the love that you have for each of us. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to me. Is it? Can I show a video? One video. I'm going to show one video and then, uh, and then uh, the guys are going to be on the sides. If you can sponsor a child, please do. If you can't, don't give under compulsion. Don't feel bullied. You're free, completely free. Make your choice according to what God's telling you to do. But we're just going to watch a short video called The Least of These. Does sponsorship work? I'll let you answer that question. Thanks for having us.
in the Philippines, it's so smelly, very dark water. You can see trash, rats, all of the crimes. The friends that I played with in the neighborhood got captured and was being trained to become child soldiers. In a given week, we'll go at least for three days without food. We would beg our parents just to buy one apple, but even the rotten ones we could not afford to buy. I just want to taste it. I just want to eat that fruit. In a period of 18 months, I lost my small brother Patrick, my mom, and I lost my stepdad because of the terrifying disease of HIV AIDS. When my mother died, I was lost. I was looking for hope, for God to just show me that everything was going to be okay. Not knowing what tomorrow will look like, not knowing whether I would have a home, whether we would live to see the next day. I don't know why Aaron Mitchell decided to sponsor me, but when he did, my whole life changed. A group of people from Compassion showed up at my church. They said, you're gonna go to school, and then somebody's going to write to you. I don't have to worry about whether my parents would have enough money to keep me going to school. Even if I get sick, someone was there to take care of me. I felt safe. I felt wanted. My sponsor is Edwin Bunny. Maria and Hans Rue. Aaron Mitu. Five women from a Lutheran church that were sponsoring me. I am now a physical therapist and I'm working in a hospital. Clinical social worker. I was the first child in my family to go to high school, to go to college. I have a bachelor and a master in, in biomedical engineering, a second master in engineering management, and uh, I called me into ministry, so I had to go and get a third master. I have a ministry called Youth Arise Africa that works with boys who don't have father figures. We opened a small school. It's now providing the same opportunity that Compassion provided to me so that they too can break out of the cycle of poverty. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. You do for me. You did for me. You did it for me. I sponsor a child today to break the cycle of poverty in a child's life like my sponsor did for me. We're just gonna ask for your patience just for a couple more minutes because our desire here at Rediscover is not just to have programs, but it's to change lives. And uh, Mike, thank you for all that you and the team are doing to empower churches like us to do this. A friend of mine uh, leads a church in Coventry, and uh, they've got hundreds of kids, the photographs on the back of the church, that they are seeing the cycle of poverty and hopelessness broken in their lives. And uh, we've been prayerfully considering where, if there's a focused area of the world that we can imply our energies and our life into changing a community and uh, we've gone for the wonderful nation of Ethiopia and there's uh, a great new sort of project that's coming on there that we have the opportunity to change lives. Mike mentioned about maybe in the future a number of us could go out and we could see and meet and see the difference this is making but it starts somewhere and it starts with us making a decision about whether we can change a life. I'm always moved by that story. You might, you probably know it better than me, but there was a little child throwing, uh, was it sort of crabs back into the ocean and starfish. There were starfish, and there were just hundreds of them. And someone said, "What are you doing?" She said, "I'm just rescuing the starfish." And they said, "But there's so many of them. You know, can't save all of them." And she said, "But I can save this one." Come on. And you know, we may not be able to make a difference in the million. A billion, but maybe just one, two, yeah. we can make a difference. And um, I know Mike very graciously said, you know, don't sort of um, divert your giving from other things in the church. And I, and, I, and I know it can feel a bit of a competition sometimes on these things about how we manage our finances. 
But we've been looking recently about how all of our finances belong to the Lord. We're just stewards. Yeah, uh, it's not ours. It's ours that's, uh, that's been entrusted to us as stewards of, of the resources God has blessed us with. And uh, Mike, as we take on this new building, uh, it's, it's my desire that it will never be something that will put such a pressure on us that we stop making a difference Stop planting churches. Stop changing lives. And I think this is really timely because mm. we could be so focused on building, but it is about people. That's right. And this is a reminder this morning that it's about people. Yeah. So I know that there's a whole load of profiles that have been created um, with real child's lives, real child situations that you and I can make a difference in impacting their lives for generations to come. Mike, how do you want to do that? Well, uh, there's going to be a, a QR code appear there. So if you're highly technical, you could get your phones out and zoom in on that QR code. If you follow that link, it takes you to rediscover um, compassion. And uh, in there, you can select a child and you can digitally sponsor a child. So that's one way of doing it. Another really great way is, um, because there's such a crowd here, is that we're going to do... I've never done this before, right? So I'm more nervous than you. If I'm coming over as nervous, that's why. I've never done this before. But what we're going to do is a hands-up moment, which basically means this. If you know that God's calling you to sponsor a child and you're confident in that, I'm going to ask you in a second or two, slip your hand up, and around the room and up in the balcony, there are going to be people with profiles, and they'll come and slip a profile into your hand and a pen... And we're going to ask you just fill in as much as you can on that and then come over and see us at the table at the back. And uh, yeah, and also, incidentally, we, there are some on the table at the back. If you want to talk to us afterwards a little bit more, happy to do that. But it's a hands-up moment. Great. Well, we have some stewards around with these profiles. I remember the time that Nita signed us up when we were at an event like this. And uh, so that we can't afford it. We can't afford it. And, you know, but you see the impact it's making. And years later the ability we've had to make a difference in people's lives. So if you would like one of those profiles, one of those precious children to take away with you, would you just raise your hand and our stewards will come to you and they will give you one of those profiles and uh, just place your hand up where you are. And uh, some of you will need to go away and think about it and talk about it as couples. Uh, but please don't lose that sense of the ability that you have to make a difference in these kids' lives. Why don't we give a cheer to all of those who are making these decisions Woo! right now? Because this is not just a decision. These are lives being changed. These are lives being impacted for generations to come. Over here. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Fantastic. And please do come and visit us on the table. Nobody's going to pounce on you or try and make you do anything. But just have a look at some of these children. Maybe pray over them. Any questions, just ask. Wonderful. Come on, let's pray together. As, and if you are still yet to get the QR code, this is another opportunity to get that. If you still would like a profile, please put your hand up for a steward to come to you. But Lord Jesus, we thank you for the incredible impacts that your church is having around the world. We celebrate these stories. Yeah. We celebrate all of those children that are now grown up on that last video and how they've now been empowered. That it's not a handout, it's a hand up, Lord. That it's yeah. been an opportunity for them to break the cycles to be agents of transformation in their communities themselves. Yeah. And we thank you for this vision, and we thank you for our ability to be a part of what you're doing on the earth. And Lord, as each person has considered their partnership with this today, Lord, we pray your great blessing, not just upon this moment, but upon the relationships that they will build with these children and young people in years to come for their stories, Lord, for the, for the, for the um, reunions in heaven that will take place, Lord, in the future of sponsors meeting those they've sponsored and hearing the stories and for the letters being written and for the encouragement that was offered. Lord, we thank you for each of these things. And we pray your blessing upon Mike yeah. and on the Compassion team in the UK and around the globe. 
Lord, we ask that you will enable them to keep serving the body of Christ, to impact more and more lives for the sake of the gospel. Lord, we thank you that you have hands and feet in the world and it's called your church. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being those people. So may your blessing be upon Mike and Sheila and the team and their family, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.